Thank you for joining for this episode of the Techspective podcast. Uh, my guest this week is Austrid Bailey. So, Austrid, if you could, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your role, and then uh, we'll uh, have a fun conversation. Sure. My name is Austrid Bailey. I am a program manager by trade. I've got several programs at Adobe that I help run. My background is actually with a, a communications and journalism degree, but I've just kind of had an interest in security and picked up projects along the way until today where I have an actual full-time job in security. Um, at Adobe, I am in security engagement, so I mostly focus on how we can bridge the gap between like leadership expectations and like technical teams and getting everybody to work together really well. All right. So that's an interesting, uh, we can already like segue off topic. That, that That's a, my, my favorite thing to do in a podcast. Um, interestingly, uh, or I, I find it very interesting that your, you know, your, your background, your degree is in journalism and communications and you ended up in security. My, you know, background was in technology and security and somehow I ended up in journalism and communications. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think at first it felt like a comm degree may have been a waste of money, but the further I get in my career, the more that's coming up as being the most important skill set. So the ability, when I talk to new grads, I'm always like, the ability to write, that's the one you got to get nailed. Like from there, you can add any skill, but if you can't write, you're going to have a really hard time. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's fair. And I think, you know, ultimately I feel like, um, you know, and without, you know, knowing a whole lot about you, but uh, I feel like um, coming at it from either direction gives us essentially the same broader skill set, which and which which I have found very advantageous. Which is, I have the technology background, I have the security background, which makes me a more effective marketing and journalist and communications person because I I know what I'm talking about. Um, you're coming at it the other direction, where it's like. You know, you're you're you you're in the security and the technology side, but because you have that background, you can communicate more effectively about it, which very much is is an issue. I agree with you completely, because um, a lot of times I find, as I'm working with uh, organizations, that the subject matter experts, you know, the the people who know the information that we're trying to convey are often not very good at conveying it. Um, and that and that's part of the problem organizations have. Uh, and so, yeah, if you can if you can, you know, definitely if you can if you can write and, and coherently uh, form thoughts on on in, on paper, so to speak, uh, is is hugely beneficial. So let's talk a little bit more about, you know, your role at Adobe specifically, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, come back off of my segue and, and get back on topic. Um, you know, I, I had seen um, the, the, you know, this blog post uh, from Adobe, you know, the, you know that, you, that you wrote, the what is a security champion? Um, and I, I, so I found it very interesting. And, and again, this, this, this talks to our uh, sort of the, the reverse parallels of our careers, so to speak. But when I was in the trenches um, and when I was when I was at EDS and I was a security analyst, architect, engineer, whatever you know you want to call it, it, it changed over time. 
um, for a period of time, one of my roles was effectively doing a, a security audit of a program, you know, before it was delivered to production. Um, now I'm dating myself some because this is this is you know definitely pre you know DevOps pre you know like we're we're talking you know back in the waterfall waterfall days. Um, so it, it was dysfunctional <laughs> to say the least because you know it, it was a, a situation where you know developers were gathering requirements and 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 developing the the product and there was like a you know the cutoff time of okay after this date you can no longer give us any more ideas you know the it is what it is now we're going to go spend six months developing this product um and at the end of six months we're going to release it and then we'll start all over again and and do this again you know next year um which put me in a very bad situation because security wasn't involved in the requirements phase security wasn't involved in the development phase they were just coming to me at the end and saying here's this thing we've now spent the last nine months working on can you review it and let us know if it's secure and inevitably it wasn't and now my job is to tell them that hey that nine months of work you did was you know kind of for nothing you know and 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 not not and, and the thing is not that i ever even did that because I was not really empowered to do that. I wasn't. I was not empowered to say, "Hey, your your product you spent nine months on is insecure. You cannot release this to production." Like I did not have that kind of authority. It was more like I was just making them aware. Like, you know, like oh, by the way, when you release this to production, here's all the here's all the problems you're going to face. Um, and you know, it it sounds from uh, you know, I mean, I, I just know as we've gone from waterfall to agile to DevOps that things got got way better. And it sounds from the way this blog post describes it, like you have a slightly better system than what I had. Slightly. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I used to lead dev teams before I was at Adobe, and I totally understand. You get to the end, and you're like, hey, security, give your give your blessing. Um, and we're definitely looking to resolve that. But one of the constraints you have is, you know, there, there's a, a shortage in the IT industry for even people who know security because security has only picked up speed in the last decade. Um, and you can't go out and hire an engineer for every team. You, you can't even train a PGM for every team. So that's where our security champions are really helpful because we either our product teams has have somebody who says, I love security, I wish I was in security, or they just have an opportunity to find somebody and say, have you ever thought about learning more about security? And then we take that person and we help train and guide them and incorporate them into the processes. So they get that leadership opportunity. Like you said, you were an engineer who didn't get to, you know, how to grow into communication skills. So we give them that opportunity to grow into communication skills. They don't have to get a new job and they get a new subject that they may even turn into their career if it really takes off for them. So it's a great um, solve several problems for us. It solves, you know, getting involved in the processes and getting to know the teams well, and it solves staffing issues as well. And, you know, Adobe really prides itself on opportunity for our employees. And so it also solves that. I recently one of one of the books I finished recently is uh, inspired by uh, who's the author Marty Kagan, um, and it's about product. You know, like how to how to 
build and manage product teams and 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 you know i don't know it it, it, it it's it's a good book it's a, there's a lot of information in there um but he did he does talk in there about you know that there are some you know some roles where like every product team needs to have a dedicated person that you know is only focused on this this project this product um but there are other roles where it's like well that doesn't make sense like your 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 involvement or your contribution to the team is not a full-time engagement thing you know i i don't need to have that i don't need to have a a separate full-time employee individual for every single one of these teams um and from the from the blog post it sounds like that's kind of the approach you have with the security partners and the security champions at Adobe is not necessarily like every single project needs to have its own, but like you might be engaged in a couple different projects or whatever as, as the security champion. Is that accurate? So there's, there's two roles that you mentioned there. So the security partner is actually in the security organization and they're not a PGM, they're far more technical than that. They're a former engineer, sometimes even a security champion who became a partner and they manage a portfolio of products. So they have a couple of our bigger products, a couple smaller, and then their liaison into the product space is a security champion. So a security champion is most likely one-to-one, like as in they wouldn't have multiple projects, but, we could have a product that's so small, they have a sec- one security champion who spends 95% of their time on something else. They give us two to four hours a week of security work, or the product could be so big. Some of our products have 30 champions who just represent one component. And maybe there's a couple of dev teams sitting underneath that component alone. And they just happen to be the, have enough information of what those different teams do that they can go out and source oh, no, we need to talk to this person and that person. We need to, you know, get this person sign off or, hey, you know, they're really hard at work on this one initiative. If you want us to, to switch these around, here's the trade-offs. And then our security partner is educated enough to say, no, you need to switch this and that around. Or if the champion says, we can't do that the partner can look at their backlog and say, actually, you can. Like, I understand what you're doing. You can't. Um, and it's generally a very positive relationship. But in the in the event that we need somebody to push back, we have the technical expertise on either side so that they can have a true peer-to-peer conversation versus, you know, being a program manager by trade, I've learned on the fly. But I'm usually the one who collects the questions and then tracks down the resource. In this case, we have somebody who can do both in that meeting. Okay. Um, so I guess to, to kind of further clarify that point, um, as a security champion, would you be involved in multiple projects at a time? And if so, like how many could you, you know, would you feasibly be involved in to like kind of share your time? That's not necessarily how we would phrase it. So as a security champion, you might have multiple projects on your team, just naturally. In your your day-to-day job, you may have multiple projects. We wouldn't get into that level. We would, you know, one of your projects may be being a security champion. 
But as a security champion, we may give, we often get big security, our security org will hand down prioritized initiatives. So maybe let's say for this quarter, there's five, then they're helping us prioritize those five initiatives. So if you're looking at those initiatives as being projects, then yes, they're involved in multiple projects. Okay. If that's helpful. Okay. Um, so coming, yeah, coming back to the blog post and back to my, my, my own experience, uh, being the security, you know, sort of roadblock to, uh, you know, production, um, what do you do and, and what does Adobe do, um, to make that a more empowering role to, you know, to make it something where it's a, like you just mentioned, like it's a, it's a more, you know, a, a, a more positive experience than that. It's not, it's not, I'm the bad guy telling you, you can't release this product. Like, how do you, how do you empower the security champions? Sure. So one of the big, big drivers for us is, like you said, there's two ways to do security. There's, hey, I'm security and I'm super important and you're going to do my will. And then, and that only gets you so far. You're going to die on a couple of hills and then your relationship is really in a tough spot with that team. Or there's, hey, the reason we chose the title partner even is we want to communicate. We are your partner. We are your friends. Like, let's work together and make Adobe successful. And so we, by having a champion embedded, we're able to say, hey, champion, what's your team's process? We don't, you know, not every team is has standard processes at a company as large as Adobe. And so, hey, what's your process? What jerk here can we put this ticket in? You know, who do we need to talk to? What? What it, how are you set up? Because a lot of our products, you know, they were acquisitions and they've been integrated into Adobe, but they may have a different way of doing a process. So we never insist on, you have to do it our way. And then the other thing that we do, we work with our champions to make sure that their managers acknowledge them, that their managers know what they're doing. We have quarterly VP meetings where we're, we'll bring the champion, we'll call out, you know, they were really helpful. They they did this and that, and here's how they were successful. We couldn't have done it without them. Um, so they also get that visibility outside of their day job where, you know, now the VP knows their name. Now, you know, other people in security have met them. So there's really good reputation building. We've had um, security champions build up such a great reputation that, you know, they came over into our org in a leadership position because everyone could see, you know, they did so well. Uh, in the product space that they'd be a really great subject matter expert so that we can have those better relationships as we learn both perspectives. Okay. Um, so, you know, one of the things, you know, is that, is that, I guess, sort of finding the balance because in, in the end, like, you know, traditionally, you know, security, you know, years ago has, you know, has been the bad guy, the, the roadblock, the, you know, that was, that was kind of, you know, how security was viewed. And that has certainly changed over time, you know, just as, as security has evolved and businesses have evolved. And I think, um, both as developers and organizations have a, uh, greater respect for security and the need for security um but but probably more importantly was security you know to your point kind of getting off its soapbox a little bit and 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 recognizing that fundamentally the role of security is to empower the business to do things more securely 
not to you know implement draconian policies that that make it impossible to do business you know it's like finding that that balance um you know I guess for you personally, uh, uh, I mean, you, if you can answer for Adobe, that's fine too. But I think it's really a, more of a, a personal perspective question. Like, how do you find that balance between providing guidance to a team or, you know, sort of exerting your authority and imposing imposing security? And and follow up side question: Are there times that you feel like you know, like like? even as you're trying to find that balance and you're trying to work with a team, there are some things that like from a security perspective where it's like, no, that's just an absolute, like you cannot do that. And, and so I feel like there are times where like you have to exert the authority. Like if the, if, if the partnership's not working out, you have to kind of step in and go, okay, but you literally cannot do that. Right. <laughs> Sorry. You must encrypt. Um, hundred percent. I think, the big, I mean, the big takeaway is communication, right? Like, let's have a conversation. Let's never assume like ill intent. Of course, we want to develop all the all the features, right? But we can't. There's prioritization. There's there's um, understanding the trade offs, and so we we try to build that really positive rapport. Like, you know, hey, can you tell me what's really going on here? Like, say for example, um, a product goes from being a green great status to like we've had an to say you're yellow, you're at risk, you're not doing certain things. Like we don't, you know, beat them into submission until they turn green again. One of the things that we do is we say, okay, you've got your roadmap, that's great. Obviously this roadmap, you, you can't make progress on this because you're having it, you know, you need a dedicated way to get back to being secure. And so we go through and we'll, we create a, either a path to yellow or path to green plants, depending on what their status are. And then that's what we, we take as, like, let's focus on this for right now. Let's ignore the, the, not ignore the roadmap, but here's where we really need to go. And then do we need to meet weekly with your leadership? Do we need to meet bi-weekly? Are you overwhelmed? Can we work with your leadership and, and help them understand they really need to put some more headcount here? They really need to invest in this tool. You know, they need to bring on a contractor and how can we, how can we help? Um, and then as we communicate along the way, we have different you know, escalation paths outlined. And there does come that point where, you know, we get a couple of VPs in the room and, you know, you bring your leader, we'll bring ours, we'll we'll prep both sides, but really a decision does need to be made. And I, I haven't seen it escalate to the point where it's contentious. Like generally there there is a, a path because we've, you know, we've sent out our week, our monthly reports, we've sent out our VP reports, we've had you know, meetings, we, we're, we work really hard on having consistent communication. So when we're going to send, say we need to escalate to a level above a security champion, we show them that communication first and say, hey, read this, give us any feedback. We're going to send this in a week to the next level of leadership. But if you can make any changes in the next week, we're happy to incorporate them. Like we're not telling on them and we're, we really, really want to focus on like, you know, long term, we're all going to be on this team for a long time. So how do we um, maintain that sense of like camaraderie? Which I, I, literally that, that, that was where I was going to go next, which is I think one of the things that has fundamentally shifted in the, you know, whatever 15 years since I was doing what I was doing is that camaraderie is the, is the, 
we're all on one team. We're in the same boat. We're rowing in the same direction. You know, it's not you guys are trying to do this thing and now I'm coming in to tell you to stop it. Um, there is, you know, and, and, and it does kind of go a little bit back to what I was saying about how the, the company has a greater respect for security, but security has a greater respect for the business. And, and all of that is, I think has, has evolved some, uh, to where the scenario I was describing doesn't really happen that often, or at least it shouldn't. You know, the, the, because because you are all on the same team and you're trying to accomplish the same thing. And so it shouldn't you, you shouldn't necessarily run into situations where someone's like, well, no, we're going to do this. And then as security, you go, well, no, you just can't because like you pointed out there, you're already you're you're on the same team together. You should just be communicating and there should be understanding from both sides about, OK, this is the business goal we're trying to achieve. But these are the security requirements we need to do it within. Yeah, I would say that's that is true. It has evolved in the last 15 years, but I would say it's true at Adobe because we focused on it. I, I, I had a previous company where I had the exact opposite problem where, you know, the couple of security guys would come wandering out of the back corner and, and hose your project six months in because that company had not invested in having champions and having awareness and having training. So I, I think it does speak to Adobe. And I know there are other companies who've done similar um programs like our security champion program with some tweaks out in the industry so we're not alone in this but i do think you know it it's it hasn't happened on accident okay that's fair um one of the things that i was curious about and, and you know right before we kind of kick things off you had mentioned that you know you're gonna you know head into the office you know for for basically the first time um how you know obviously a lot has changed in the last uh, you know two two years or whatever um uh with the pandemic and we had lockdown and now as companies are sort of trying to you know i guess navigate between you know do we do we you know issue some sort of draconian everyone has to come back to the office again or you know i i feel like most companies have softened on that and have adopted some sort of a hybrid model of hey it'd be nice if you'd come to the office every once in a while we're not going to force you um but in terms of what you're doing as a product team as a you know, trying trying to develop things and 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 you as a security champion trying to work with them how has the 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 pandemic and and the remote and hybrid work impacted that the ability to kind of interact as a team What's well, certainly impacted it. Um, so one of the ways that it's impacted it is we as security have had a couple of reorganizations. And so we've taken teams that were traditionally one region and now we've got team, you know, my team spans three, four regions at least. So we do, although we are coming back into the office more and there will be more events like that, we still have to keep hybrid in mind. There are still people who aren't comfortable coming to the office. Uh, and we don't want to ex exclude remote employees. Um, we did a survey about this time last year to our security champions. Hey, what's going on? Do you like this program? Do you like being a security champion? If not, can we help you leave with dignity? Um, and asking questions like that. What do you expect to get from this program? You know, what would be the perks for you? And we did notice a pretty substantial um, 
not decrease in satisfaction, but we did note that those who had joined our program in the last couple of years when everything was remote weren't as satisfied as those who joined the program five years ago because we used to do, you know, an all-in-person, this before my time at Adobe, but an all-in-person trainings, you know, a, a, they called it a summit. It's basically a mini conference every other year. They did little events here and there because one of the things our champions really love is they love the ability to network. You know, if they're not going to move into security, where's their next role in product? Oh, I met, I met this person. I heard about their team. I'm really interested. And one of my goals for the FY23 is to reimagine what we do in terms of training and getting together and recognition for our security champions. And some of that will be small things. Like I, I've sent a you know, emails to our security organization. Hey, you gave a presentation at a conference. How would you love to give that presentation internally to our security champions? You know, low hanging fruit like that. You know, what topic are you interested in? Are you, would you like to share that with, with a group of people? Because we also find that our security champions are interested in getting more involved in the industry and they want speaking opportunities. So why not use that interest and pair it with the interest in training and say, how about you, you know, you have some experiences in-house first. And then when you go out into the industry, you know, we were, you can preach to your home team and find out, you know, get some feedback first. So we're looking at things like that. Um, one of the other areas I'm realizing that I'm going to need more help with in FY23 is I need some regional leads. I know our India team is really interested in having some on-site events. Well, I'm, you know, I'm not in India, I'm in Utah. And so I'm going to be reaching out to our India team who've expressed interest and think, great, can I, can I deputize you to throw an event? You know, can we work together and then you can do the logistics side of it and do something that's more maybe interesting to the product teams that are based in India. And then we can do one in Utah and, and look at, okay, what product teams are based in Utah and what, who's interested and, and kind of go about it that way as well. Okay. Makes sense. Um, and I feel like, a, you know, a, a lot of those things are not, they're, they're, they're not unique to product teams or to security champions. I mean, those, I think those are a lot of that are the things that companies just have to sort of navigate in general for all teams, uh, you know, to try to figure out, you know, you know, I mean, I, I, I've had managers who were very fond of, you know, what they called the the drive-by conversations of, you know, you're you're in the office, you're just walking, you know, through, and you just, you know, you're walking past someone's desk, and then you're like, oh wait, you know, what, let, let me stop and chat. And those things don't happen as much, you know, when when you're not face to face. Um, you know, so yeah, so I think I think everyone has to navigate that some, but uh, there are also certainly pros and cons to both. Um, you know, for example, I was uh, uh, last week, my friend and I were were hiking in in Yosemite. So we were after we were done hiking in Yosemite, we were, I was driving. We drove down to LAX so I could fly back to Houston, and it we we made it. 280 miles in four and a half hours or four hours like wait 280 miles in like three or four hours um and then took another hour and a half to go the last 40 miles um just on on the 405 in la like just bumper to bumper because we hit it right at rush hour and both of us spent the entire hour and a half just shaking our heads and being like why why do people do this like who who wants <laughs> who wants to do this every day um right. this is insane 
Um, uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, then that's, I mean, that even pre COVID, those were conversations I had even back when I was working at EDS, cause I was working primarily remotely and I, you know, we had a manager come along that was like, yeah, we want everyone to be in the office. And I was like, yeah, you're, you're asking me to give up, you know, an hour to an hour and a half in an hour to an hour and a half out, just sitting in my car, wasting time, doing nothing, um, you know, to do basically the same thing I can do at home. It just seems silly. Oh, so I've been remote for five years, mostly. Um, but my company before that had an absolute, you must be in the office all times, always in the office. Um, and I hadn't, I lived in Seattle at the time, so I had an hour commute each way on the bus, which is not a great experience as a female. Um, and so when I quit to go to a company that was going to let me work remote, my whole team over there stopped talking to me and like, you're never, you're going to stay home. You're going to turn into this horrible person. You're going to, you know, turn into a hermit. Gave me so much crap. No, I actually had the opposite experience. I became a more well-balanced well human. I was happier. I had my energy. I never took another mental health day and called in sick to work. Like I haven't in five years. And I used every single one I had at that company because it just was grating to go to work and take the bus and commute. And so I'm very happy with the approach to hybrid. And I do find it funny because all the naysayers, in the pandemic, they all had to work from home, and most of them realized that I was right to take that job. You know, right? I mean, you know, one of the one of the one of my arguments when I was having this debate with this manager was, I was like, you have you, you seem to have this assumption, like if I come into the office and I'm sitting in this desk at this desk in this cubicle, that that somehow means we're being more productive, and it just doesn't because Joe in the next cubicle wants to talk about his son's soccer game. And Sally in the cubicle over here wants to talk about, you know, the, the Emmy Awards from last night. And people are getting up and leaving their desks and taking breaks. And 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 there's still things you just have to do. Like if you have to, you know, pursue some issue with a, a, a bank or something like there are calls you have to make. You have to make doctor's appointments like so whether even if you're sitting in the cubicle at work. You're still wasting the same time, you know, like right. I, was, I was like. The 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 eight hour workday boils down to essentially three to four hours of productivity, whether I'm at home or at the office. It's just that when I'm at home, those breaks are I get to let the dogs outside and 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 hang out with the dogs for a minute, or I get to throw the laundry in or do the dishes, things that I would still have to do when I got home. But now I'm able to kind of like balance it out and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take a break for 15 minutes. I'm going to step away from my desk. And I'm going to go do some of the things that need to be done in the house, uh, yeah. w which is way more valuable to me than, you know, Joe's kid's soccer game. No offense to Joe. Oh, well, and I think, you know, one of the things that Adobe has done really, really well is as a remote working remote, I still have had remote volunteering opportunities. So I've still met Adobe employees through, hey, you know, we're going to do mock interviews for this organization and we're going to help all these at-risk youth, you know, learn interviewing skills. So I've met people through virtual volunteering or, you know, we've got a Adobe pet Slack channel. It's definitely the highlight of my day because everybody shares their, you know, their cute pets and doing funny things. So there's still camaraderie that can be built outside of the office that still gives that sense of belonging and friendship. Or um, I recently joined our Lehigh Fund Committee. So we are going to try to plan more 
security events to bring people into the office, but then there's, there's a purpose and there's some fun. It's not just, I walked in, all my managers above me are remote. So I didn't see anybody, but you know, I, I got in there um, and trying to make it more valuable. One of my remote teams. So before I was in security, I did technology for corporate conferences and events. So we were a hundred percent remote because no one was based in the same city, sometimes not even the same country. So we worked remote all the time. But then when we got on site, it was like a family reunion, you know, your, your long lost best friend. And there's nothing like the event industry for that because you don't get tired of hearing about the soccer game because all, all of a sudden you haven't seen this person in six months and it's far more fun to work together and far more productive because you're excited about it versus like, oh crap, this guy again. Right. Um, all right. Well, so uh, kind of bring this back a little bit to, to the, the topic at hand. Um, there have been a few, a, a couple things that you've, you've pointed out are, you know, that's not necessarily the way it's, you know, some of the things are, are just as security and businesses have evolved and some things are unique to Adobe, you know, like Adobe has gone out of its way to instill this culture and to promote these values. Um, and you know, you said your 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 last company or whatever didn't necessarily you know have some of those same values. So you know, it it, it those those organizations do still exist. Um, if an organization you know say isn't currently doing some sort of you know security champions and 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 having this sort of focus for for uh, you know product teams and projects. What advice would you offer? Like what, you know, what, what are kind of the, the uh, I don't know, the foundational pillars that you need to have to, to try to get this, this sort of a program going? Sure. I would start with grassroots, you know, send out an email and asking, you know, who's interested in learning more about security and see if you can start just a, a small group of employees who, you know, maybe they each want to take you know, I'll take this week and I'll, I'll find a, an interesting article in security and, you know, I'll come bring it back to the group and just see if you can get some some base level interest and then start having conversations about, you know, what is your roadmap process look like? What are your development processes? You know, do you think about security and start to get some of that process level information out of them? One of the things that we're actually doing to get some of that data even still at Adobe is we've recently launched a, a CAB, so a customer advisory board. But instead of it being external customers, we're, we reached out to our product teams and found our, our most vocal product leaders when it comes to security and said, would you be interested? And you commit to us for 18 months of being in this, this group where we, you know, we'll bring you together, we'll have a set agenda, we'll bring in security leaders, and we'll have a dialogue outside of reporting structures and then they're giving us that insight into processes or hey when you wrote you know you came out with this initiative and you you did it in this way and you impacted us and it 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 was a broken process and here's how to fix it so if you start getting that data then you can take we've taken those data points back to our leaders and said hey here's your impact here's the data we're getting can we get more buy off into having more of these cab like concepts so if you can get we have this group who's interested in security Here's the things that they're noticing. If we started up a more formal project, we could get insights like this. We could make things better and show them the value. Then you can get your leaders on board and, you know, potentially rolling out a V1 of the Security Champion program. 
And, you know, we at this point have it on every team, but maybe you say, here's our, you know, two or three teams that we have challenges with. Let's start there. Let's do a beta. We'll pick three, three teams. We'll time cap it for three, four months and see what improvements we can get back. And then if it's going well, you know, roll it out to a couple more teams. Maybe you can't do everybody, but then you look at it and say, man, if these three teams or four teams had an incident, that would really hurt our reputation. So let's start with the most impactful teams. And then eventually you could get to the spot where everybody is covered by a program. Okay. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And again, you know, I think, I think, you know, a lot of it, a, a lot of what you have said, you know, really ultimately comes back to, uh, you know, just communication, you know, just, just, you know, you know, having an ongoing dialogue and, 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 and treating each other like humans that are part of the same team and not like, you know, you're kind of swooping in to tell them how to do their job. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds so simple and yet it is not. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I want to, uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to join me. I mean, it was a fun conversation. And 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 honestly, it, it, as many people as I've talked to and, and, and have known across the security industry, I, I want to say you're the first person that I, I've ever had the conversation with about sort of like the the reversal of the the, the pattern of uh, career. Um, you know, and, you know one, one slight parallel to what you were just describing, though, is that I was not in security. Like I was just, do, I was doing network admin stuff um and like server admin stuff and was kind of invited to learn more about security at, at the time because they were you know they had a they had a, a a project eds had a project they were doing with general motors that was security oriented but they wanted someone who really understood windows servers and so the manager of that team had come to me and said hey you know you you do this and you you know I had, I had just gotten my MCSE and so he was like you know do you want to join the security team and I was like all right you know sounds sounds like an interesting thing to to learn about and uh, yeah I mean that was that was kind of how that that all started and then I ended up sort of taking on like outside writing things just as like resume fodder initially just just yeah. to kind of be like. You know, I, I just wanted to have something where I could be like, hey, look, you know, I did this thing, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I published this thing and, uh, you know, it makes me look smart. And it all kind of took on a life of its own uh, over time. Yeah. I mean, that's what I did. The, um, I started as a pro project manager who knew who couldn't write code, but they liked the fact that I could talk and write. And then. Um, led a dev team, got them to a point where I was bored, and then just said to my manager, what else is in this department that I could do? And security had, it was that the company that didn't have a great security culture, so they had five whole employees in security, so I just volunteered to start picking up their projects and made a deal with my manager as long as I got my day job done that I could volunteer. No extra comp, just interest. And then I did that at two other companies until I had all these little bits on my resume and I'm on LinkedIn and Adobe saw those, some random recruiter waltz across my profile and, and pinged me. So yeah. the, the magic of works. LinkedIn. <laughs> it, 
it is magical that's for sure yes um all right well thank you very much for taking the time and uh and enjoy the uh, rest of your week you as well i appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast but i also invite you to engage on social media uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts. 